it's training at scale, right? Because when yeah. we initially set this out, we thought we're going to have 100 teachers who want this maximum. But then the ministry endorsed it and sent it out to all the regional directorates that then send it out to all the teachers. Now, the regional directors are the employers of all the teachers. So yeah. we are on 8,000 teachers and counting. Every single minute I get new reg registrations. Hello and welcome back to Wise Words, the show where we speak to the world's leading minds in education and beyond. This is Basim, the producer of the show, speaking to you once again. Like in many other industries right now, Education practitioners and students are no strangers to jumping into digital platforms as a means to continue operating amid the crisis. A remote-powered world draws many challenges into question. Issues concerning ease of use, accessibility, and privacy and security are some that teachers are continuing to grapple with. In an attempt to address these challenges, EdTech Solutions are stepping up to train teachers and education stakeholders how they can effectively utilize technology to not only facilitate the classroom experience, but to potentially enhance it. In this episode, CEO of WISE and host of the podcast, Stavros Yanuka, sits down with Aldo De Pape, founder of TeachPitch. Together, they discuss how the organization has been training thousands of teachers in partnership with the Ministry of Albania. They talk about how the crisis has affected TeachPitch, the differences between online teaching and emergency remote teaching, and what it means to provide a central infrastructure for e-learning. So my name is Aldo and I'm the founder and CEO of TeachPitch. Uh, TeachPitch is a technology that tries to resolve the problem of information abundance, specifically for uh, teachers uh, and schools. We try to do that through, you know, in three ways. Uh, one is curation. So we're continuously on the lookout for great educational material, uh, teaching and learning material that is available for free online. And we curate that and bring that all together in a very big online library if you will. The second element is peer-to-peer -peer learning. Uh, because we have this big online library, also known as a search engine, we are blessed with a, with a very big community of uh, teachers who, who use that search engine. So currently uh, over 38,000 people in 200 countries, currently growing at a rate of 250 per week. That's growing up uh, very quickly. And uh, we noticed that these users, they sign up on one hand to get to the material, so to learn more, to educate themselves, but on the other hand, also to teach more. And we've basically instrumentalized that. We say, well, if you're going to teach more, then why not train your peers from all over the world in, uh, in topics that are relevant to you? And the first topic that we've chosen and that we've been focusing on over the past year is anything that is technology. So we, we're, we're very uh, focused on bringing technology closer to the teachers by letting the teachers talk about it themselves. So because that's the strongest way of conveying such knowledge. So curation on one hand, peer-to-peer -peer learning on the other. And then there's a third element, which is still very much in its infancy, but we are looking into it, which is machine learning and artificial intelligence. And that just basically is an outcome from our users using the technology on a very frequent basis, you know, being interested in specific resources, you know, having a clear preference, preference mm -hmm. for specific resources. So instead of them having to reuse the, the search engine from scratch again, we start to introduce resources to them that are 
more of interest to them than others. And we know that, of course, because we are starting to code their, their preferences, their, their content preferences. So that's yeah. the third element. T-Switch was founded in 2014. Um, we are currently a team of 15 people active in London, Tirana, the capital of uh, Albania, and then mm-hmm. we have a very small satellite office in Beijing. Yeah, and, and we've, we've grown to a community of, as I said before, 38,000 users in 200 countries. Uh, but also helping uh, hundreds of schools around the world. We hold now over 180,000 learn teaching and learning resources from over 220 learning platforms. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's incredible. And as we were discussing uh, before the formal sort of start of the of the conversation here, the interview, obviously the hot topic of, of the moment is the pandemic and the fact that we've seen this massive shift of formal education now uh, taking place online. So how, you know, how has this affected what you do? Uh, it has affected us uh, big time, and I'm 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 happy to say in a in a, in a positive way. I also hear businesses that you know there's no need for their services at this moment in time, and we're 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 uh, luckily not in that category. Specifically around you know the element that I said before about making teachers aware about technology and training mm. teachers about technology. So we we offer services whereby the teachers can train each other, but also we train teachers in understanding technology better. So it's also a service that we deliver. We're currently very busy as we're uh, now tasked by the Ministry of Education and in collaboration with the Open Society Foundations in Eastern Europe, specifically in Albania, to train in the thousands of teachers, to train, Mm. support and certify them to basically take on online teaching and remote teaching in a very quick space. That's what so, we're currently tasked with. Let's focus a little, a little bit on that, if if sure. you can. Which is, I read an interesting uh, article recently, and 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 maybe we should we should post this along along with this this recording, drawing a distinction between essentially emergency online teaching, which is kind of the situation we are we are in at the moment, where you know th- this is an emergency response. This was mm. not planned or prepared for and sort of higher quality teaching specifically designed for the online environment. So as you, as you think about uh, the kind of training you're providing right now, do you make that sort of distinction? Or are you, in a sense, trying to just migrate people towards an online learning environment? The, the, the funny thing is we're not talking about all of a sudden new technologies. It, you know, I'm pretty sure that what we talk about, even to the most untrained teacher, you know, every teacher has heard of Google or, or every teacher has, has heard of technology. Every teacher has, I'm pretty sure that every teacher has also heard of education technology and what it can do for them. But it has always been in a complementary or supplementary sense. It has yeah. never been the core of the, their daily bread and butter. And now all of a sudden with everyone having, you know, to stay at home, mm-hmm. working in an isolated sense that shift has changed because the technology is to play a, a way bigger role in creating the bread and butter, so to say. Mm-hmm. So a lot of teachers, their practical knowledge around how the technology works what was, what was non-existent, even though they, they were made aware of it. And in some cases, even 
overwhelmed by it through, so I think through companies like ourselves, through vendors who have a great technology to pitch and to talk about it, it wasn't really part of their daily reality. And now with this training, we're trying to make it a part of their daily reality. Yeah. So can you give us some examples of the kind of training that you're providing? Sure. So we are, our, our training uh, lasts about one and a half hour, consists out of four in-depth tutorials that are accompanied by quiz questions. So in total, we asked them 15 questions. Uh, so the tutorials are built around, are really technology specific. So we talk about a tool, GoToMeeting, which is, which is a brother or sister to, to Zoom, but as a paid product in the market. But then also we offer them a free tool in the market, which is Google Hangout, mm-hmm. in combination with a recording technology called Loom. So that's, that's what we, an, a second tutorial. We talk about our own technology which is a content management system that we've already been building for the past two years in collaboration with the Ministry of Education and the Open Society Foundations, uh, which is uh, baptized for the Albanian market into Skola Ese Artmes, which means School of the Future. And it's effectively a, a resource sharing system of online learning material that teachers can, can start sharing. And last but not least, we talk about Google Classroom. Uh, so we take a a fairly agnostic technology approach to it. It's not as much, and, and the tutorials are all developed by teachers or people who are users. So it's not approached from the vendor and it's really approached from, okay, how do you, you practically use it as are the questions. At the end of the training, we provide the teachers with a self-assessment form. Also knowing that some of the tutorials might've gone a bit too quick for the teachers. So we, we provide them with all the material that has been offered them throughout the training so they can continue to educate themselves at home should it be needed. But we also ask them questions around, okay, now knowing what you know, what is going to be your, what are you going to develop a lesson on and which tools are you going to use for that purpose? Mm-hmm. How relevant is it for you to continue to share learning material or to find online learning material? And kind of I think the outcome there, uh, again, we have a comparison to what we've done in the, in the past two years to the situation now. The answers there now and kind of how relevant is this to you, the, the answers are a lot more urgent than they were before. So now they answer like, well, actually, it's very relevant. It's very important for us. Whereas before it was like, well, you know, one out of 10, it's a, it's a five or a six, you know. It, yeah, it's, it's helpful, but yeah, but not necessarily maybe critical. What, so what are you, you know, through this, I mean, first of all, that's, um, it's, it's great to hear that such a resource exists for teachers. What are you learning in this process? I mean, what, what have you learned? And, and obviously now your learning is, is accelerating, but what have you learned about what it takes to successfully train teachers to adopt digital technologies? For online teaching, yeah. Well, there are two there are two ways because it's training at scale, right? Because when yeah. we initially set this out, we thought we're going to have a hundred teachers who want this maximum. But then the ministry endorsed it and sent it out to all the regional directorates that then send it out to all the teachers. Now the regional directors are the employers of all the teachers, so. Yeah. We are on 8,000 teachers and counting. Every single minute I get new registrations of people who want to be trained. So I do not only have to ask myself the questions, okay, how do I creatively train 100 teachers? No, I need to train 8,000 of them in the foreseeable future. So I'm I'm learning how to process at scale, uh, which, which is, you know, we're used to dealing with scale, but providing them a robust qualitative training 
uh, at high speed is, is also a challenge. So, 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 so there's a learning, there's definitely a learning there. And I'm happy to say that we can accommodate. So, so, so that's a good, we, we have the capacity to train up to 150 teachers in one session, also the capacity to provide them with all the training material, to ask them all the questions uh, in a synchronous manner, as well as for them, all of them to, to fill out the form in one go. So that's all now in place, I'm happy to say. Mm-hmm. And we're now trying to get back to all those teachers. So, so that, but that's from my end, I, I'd say. Um, what I see with the teachers, it's, it's basically their resilience in using technology. We have two types of teachers. We have teachers that are, are willing to go the extra mile, that are you basically provide them with a link. And for instance, if the link doesn't work, we get teachers right away asking us, the link doesn't work, what do I do? The link does work, but you need to kind of give it a second to start. The link might open, but you need to click play to start uh, for the video to start playing. Uh, lots of things that might sound obvious to people who use technology on a daily basis, yeah. but are not necessarily obvious for the teachers who are not, you know, for whom technology is not a day-to-day thing. So you need to be very explicit and very kind of patient with them, feeding it to them like, okay, now here's what you do. Because if it doesn't work, you're held accountable. So some teachers, they're all very professional, don't get me wrong, but sometimes they might respond to you as an unsatisfied customer, right? An unhappy customer saying like, well, this doesn't work. You know, how do you expect me to to do this? And they're like, no, it does work. Give it a Give it a minute, give it a second, uh, kind of all those things. So you need to make sure that what you facilitate, you're 100% sure that that's going to work there. Overall, they're, they're fairly well set up, but not everyone, you know, if there's a, if there's a fallout of electricity or if, the, you know, the Wi-Fi doesn't work or whatever, that might reflect badly on you as well, right? So, so yeah. you, you cannot really resolve that. There's nothing I can do about that from London. Yeah. But, but you do need to take into account that those are challenges teachers are dealing with, might deal with there. So that's what I'm learning. We can, so, so be very explicit, be very clear, be very driven towards an outcome. It mm-hmm. is very important in training someone that you create a feeling of accomplishment. So yeah. training, if you wouldn't ask any questions and it would just be just sit and listen and we're not asking you anything, then it wouldn't be considered a training. So there, there are enough interactive moments that we've created and enough kind of moments that we ask for the focus of the teacher that the teacher has a sense of accomplishment and that the teacher, yeah. okay, I can really use this to build myself up to take it to the next level. That's very important that that's in there. If not, it's a, it, you know, it's a podcast or it's something they listen to, but not necessarily something they need to, to work with further down. I'm I'm very blessed that I, of course, have a team that speaks Albanian because, you know, Mm -hmm. it's all in their own language. So the entire training, there's nothing I can do there. I attend every training, but Mm -hmm. I have no clue what they're saying (laughs) because it's all in Albanian. Um, I make sure that we see everything through from the beginning to the end and that, you know, at the end when they fill out the self-assessment form, we have enough material available so we can help them to the next level and also certify them because their certification is also valid by the ministry and also ties into any supplemental credits they can get which which also was taken into consideration with any future salary raises and so on and so forth so it is the certificate is important to them as well so we need to make sure it has it, it has a proper standing what i mean other than than kind of some of these basic basic knowledge uh gaps, if you will, around the use of technology. What are you hearing back from educators that you've trained that are in your network 
about what are, what are the, some of the challenges that they're facing at the moment in terms of making this you know transition to to online teaching and delivering education uh, in an online setting so i think they're just trying to deal with the situation as it is as we all are right so i have my 11 month old daughter in the in, in the other room my wife mm-hmm. trying to navigate a teacher also has a family situation so they're also taking calls from their bedroom or trying to set it up as good as they can in the situation that they're in. So that doesn't speak to their professional capacity, but it is an extra challenge. It is for all of us, that first and foremost. Then the second part um, to that is that they're, of course, very focused on their subject. So they're dealing with either mathematics or biology, English, you know, can you name whatever, whatever subject they're focused on, and they're trying to translate that subject into a digital format which where before that wasn't needed. So they're used mm-hmm. to having textbooks available and just go buy the textbook as to what will be their next lesson. Now, all of a sudden, they need to be no, no textbook. Try to translate your lesson into a digital format. So mm-hmm. we try to give them easy tools to do that. So that's another thing. And then there's once you have that lesson, because you, know, you can do it on PowerPoint or can do it on very basic tools that are available to you. They, you know, the majority have heard of those, so that, that, that thank God. Mm-hmm. But then how do you get it to a wider group, right? What's, what, are, what is the availability? And that is something they haven't uh, heard of yet. Also, where we notice that there's a little bit of a resistance is when it is a paid-for tool. So they do not want to kind of all, all of a sudden be presented with, okay, now you need to pay as a teacher. They yeah. are not used to being, so and even <clears throat> the fear of that it is paid for is already something that makes them freeze. So, mm-hmm. so, so we just in a previous training, so there was a Google Drive link and the teacher was convinced that they needed a, a Gmail account to access a Google Drive file. You don't, but even the fear of, I need to open a Gmail account and, you know, the, 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 that specific teacher thought that a Gmail account would, would not be for free, whereas it is, but this, yeah. this specific teacher thought it wasn't. So the teacher was very resistant to the fact, like, I do not want to be financially disadvantaged. I do not want to buy a Gmail account, which you do not need to pay for again. Yeah, no, 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 the yeah, teacher yeah. thought that. So, so there, is a, there is a kind of an economic mm-hmm. fear from the teacher saying, like, I'm not spending any money on this, right? How, do, how can I set it up for free? We're talking about free tools. All the tools we're talking about are free, except for GoToMeeting, but we point that out specifically. But it's yeah. just, you know, that is, that, is, that is also a very realistic fear of them. It's like, I, I do not want to be disadvantaged economically because I need to change the modus of teaching all of a sudden, right? I'm happy to put it which on is, time, but I'm not going to pay. Which is, which is, I suppose, fair enough, right? In the sense yeah, sure. that uh, this then becomes more of a system level challenge. Where you know ministries of education or you know school administrations are perhaps the ones that need to be need to be engaged to make sure that the the teachers have the right tools available uh, to them. Correct. How, how, how have your interactions been with policymakers on this? The the majority of our interactions. So I had a couple of meetings at the ministry, and now the majority of our inter- interactions are through our partners. So that's that's the that's a subsidiary of the ministry, which is the specifically their training institute, an institute called yeah. ASAP, A S C A P. Um, so their head of director curricular affairs and training. She's in. I'm in daily contact with her, as well mm-hmm. as with the Open Society Foundations, and they speak directly to the minister, but also the mm-hmm. prime minister. 
So yeah. they all want daily updates on how our training is, is, is progressing. Yeah, so, so they, they all want an update. We speak to them and any questions that are there, we get that back via the either the Open Society Foundations or uh, ASAP. I mean, how do, you, how do you start? So obviously training the teachers is, is critically important and hearing back from them to the extent that, you know, the training is useful is, of course, absolutely necessary. But how do you guys th- then think about potentially tracking w- what the downstream effect on the learners, or is that something that you're you, you're kind of consciously saying, I'm, I'm staying away from that for the moment? Well, we, uh, don't get me wrong; that it, it is definitely a very crucial question, and it is definitely something we should be focusing on. But we also need to deal with the realities as they are, which is yeah. basically offering a substantial high quality training in a very short time frame yeah. offering the you know the training the support and the certification for something that should then hopefully lift a teacher to a higher level right so at this moment we're not asking ourselves those questions because we, mm-hmm. we we our prim- prim- primary focus is on the teacher Right? So yeah. we first want to prioritize the teacher and making sure that they know what they're doing so they can lift it then to a higher level. We do follow up with them because when we send a certificate, we ask them as well about how can we help you set up your first online lesson and make it part of the uh, content management system that we've built, which is the school of the future. Mm. However, we do need to see kind of first that the teacher, after we provide the training to, to him or her, that they then take the initiative to develop an online lesson. We cannot yeah. do that for them. And, and with 8,000 teachers, we don't have the capacity to, to do hand-holding on that level. They, you know, once they understand the tools, we hope it would ignite them to start building the lesson and then they can send the recording back to us and we can then, from there on, possibly help them with the d- dissemination through our technology. But for now, yeah. we needed to clearly yeah. define a beginning and an end to our training. Otherwise, you cannot certify on that basis because otherwise it's just going to be ongoing. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I, I, I understand that. And I, I imagine equally, because, you know, one, one of the things we're, we're picking up, at least anecdotally, is, is parents also, you know, struggling to, to adjust to the online learning environment and especially parents of, of younger children that, sometimes need to get involved with, you know, with the, uh, with the learning to, you know, to supervise and support the kids. Yeah. Have, have you, have you picked up any, any feedback on that from teachers or, or are you, again, is that something that you're thinking about or, or again, this is something that nice to have further down the line, maybe? Yeah, no, it, uh, it's a combination of, yes, we're, we're <laughs> definitely thinking about it, but it, it, it's not a priority at this moment because otherwise we wouldn't be successful in training the 8,000 candidates that we currently yeah. have. Yeah. So we, we just need to prioritize. Of course, it's, it is very relevant and very interesting for us to know. But if we were, we, 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 I think it would be difficult for us to take that on as well at this moment in time. What we do talk about, and, and you know, we, we've strategically chosen for tools that, that allow multiple people to come into the lesson, tools like Zoom, like GoToMeeting, like Google Hangout, yeah. Google Meet as well. So Google Meet, like Zoom, I believe, and GoToMeeting allows up, you know, in the hundreds of people that you can invite in one go. So yeah. we pitch that to the teachers saying like, there are tools out there so you can invite your classroom, your entire classroom in one go and teach them online. 
right? So don't yeah. try to do that. It is easy. And we show them the way on how to do that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the tools that we've chosen are carefully selected as such so that teacher-student engagement can commence immediately. Right? Yeah. If the teacher's ready to send out that link, we show them how to do it, and then they can invite the students immediately. And we did it, you know, in our proposal to the ministry, that was the first thing we did. We showed them how that worked. So we did a, a trial lesson with a biology teacher that right away invited her students because she was ready for that. So that is definitely something we, 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 we talk about on how to measure that and how, to, you know, to see what effects it has on the parents. That's mm-hmm. at this moment, you know, not, not, sadly not something we can focus on, but, but yeah. definitely good to, to do so later on. Do you, do you have any insight, Aldo, in, in how a, a country like Albania, which, which is not, it's not a poor country, but it's, it, you wouldn't describe it as a, as a wealthy country either, how they, they're dealing with the issue of um, access to digital technology, both amongst the, their teachers and amongst the, the students, and, and the issue of, uh, of uneven distribution of, of access to these technologies? Well, I mean, I, the, the insight is that I have is that there, I think also in these times, there is a clear need to centralize technology tools a lot more than there was before. And, and this is also why we, we, we bring in Google into our, into our training, because Google is, 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 is a good candidate for such further centralization at scale. So I know that that is on the agenda to say, okay, how do we provide this central infrastructure learning management system at a low cost. I think Google would be the, the, the candidate there, uh, which is why we brought it into our training. But then you need to look at the relationship between Google and a country like Albania at this moment in time. And I cannot speak to that. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also know that Google Classroom is a paid-for product. So it's not, you know, it's not completely for free. So there's either a school license or a nationwide license, I don't know how they're going about you know, getting those licenses in. I know that the teachers are not aware of what to use and where, which is why we're giving them options also yeah. options that are at this moment still for free. Yeah. Google Hangout and Loom option is a technology that you can completely can use for free. There's no, you know, they don't ask for a credit card. They don't ask for anything. You could set it all up for free mm-hmm. and you're ready to go, which is why we bring it in there. It's like, well, this is something that you could use right now. I, and, and then there's what the teachers are currently using. And I know that that is where people are not so happy because they're using WhatsApp a lot because they're very used to using WhatsApp in a day-to-day basis. It is not an online lesson, but it still is useful to exchange information quickly. Sending a picture, sending a kind of a lesson, sending a, a, you know, a one-pager, sending whatever. Mm-hmm. So WhatsApp groups and whatever they are they are thriving at this moment. It's not to provide lessons, but just to exchange lesson material at this moment in time. Yeah. Nor yeah. does it counter, nor does it answer the question of where is the central place that you're going to put that because you're going to lose those documents again in your WhatsApp group. So there's no, it's not coming back to anyone. It's just like you know a direct exchange between mm-hmm. the teacher and and a group of people. But we do know that they're using that a lot as individual yeah. teachers because they're just used to that. No, I mean this is very, uh, very insightful. Um, I, I was also thinking, though, in terms of even something as simple as you know how many kids have laptops, how many kids have you know smartphones. What you know what? Because again, I I I can imagine a number of settings where 
you know, this, this becomes a real, a real issue, right? So, you know, where we, we're talking about online education and, and training, but we're assuming that, you know, that, that everybody out there has access to a, a device. Yeah. And I think, of course, that's very much the assumption here. So I was doing a, a, a small walk outside yesterday uh, and I overheard a conversation of a grandmother on, of the phone talking about the history lessons of her grandchild and how, you know, how tiresome it was for a child to having to do these lessons in these, in these circumstances. But I was also thinking like, you know, there's an infrastructure in place for the child just to have a history lesson, right? And, and, and yeah. we don't realize that, you know, if you don't have that infrastructure, then how are you going to, how are you going to even have a history lesson? So yeah. countries who, who haven't thought about that, because uh, here in the UK, I mean, you know, you, you've got plenty of online teaching and learning tools that are available. The school has, many schools have very carefully thought about this because they saw it coming that they were going to be closed, right? Or they, they, they know their way around technology very quickly and they know that the, mm-hmm. that the parents of the children, the children, they have smartphones or iPads or, or, or laptops available to them. So lots of, lots of parents as well as teachers have given plannings for, for months or, uh, you know, or, or weeks to, to yeah. say, here's what you're going to do. So, so that contingency plan was already in place by lots of schools. I think we're now talking about a country that might not have that plan in place or not as well. So they need to improvise with the tools as they come along. Mm. And, and you basically see uh, how important it is to have that, that plan in these situations um, yeah. and not to take them for granted. So that's my point with you know, the grandmother that I overheard. She, mm. she took the, the online learning systems for granted, which is a blessed situation to be in. Right. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Yeah. As we, you know, let's, let's change tack and, and we, you know, we, we've, uh, and, and think a little about what, what's going to come next. I mean, what, what do you see as being the long-term legacy of, of the environment we're in now? I mean, the pandemic will pass sooner or later it will pass. What, what will be, its long-term legacy in terms of, of education, in your view? Yeah, that's a very good question and, a, and a, a very interesting one to think about. I also have to think about that Financial Times article of Yuval Harari. He, I think he, he wrote also about the, the new realities that come mm-hmm. and kind of all those yeah, things yeah. That come out. I think we're going to go into a new normal. It's going to take a time before we're back to the realities as they were before. And, 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 and I don't necessarily know what that new normal is going to look like. So I, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to speculate too much saying, here's exactly how it will be. Yeah. But I do think it's, it's, it's going to, for all of us, we're going to be a little bit more cautious in, in terms of, and also a little bit more thinking about alternatives. If you, if you, if you, you know, what alternatives are there for going to, you know, to a meeting? Uh, what alternatives are there for doing your homework? What alternatives are there for going to a bank? You know, anything kind of, so, so we're going to be a little bit um, frightened of the personal exchange, not because we're frightened of each other as a person, but more mm. of, the, of the spread of the virus. And yeah. I don't think it's, it's going to be to a, you know, a very quick, normal after kind of the, the lockdowns are finished. I think we're all have to get, you know, we're all going to keep our distance or look for creative alternatives for that. And I think you're also going to see that 
and an, in a, in a, in an education level. So technology will be used and optimized more in that new normal. That is that is my guess. Yeah. How that, what that will look like, I'm not 100% sure. But again, going by the response that I see from the teachers in Albania, how important it is to have uh, the system in place whereby they could find online teaching and learning material that is now relevant for them. Whereas in the two years that we've already been working with them, it wasn't really. Mm. That's already, so I don't think all of a sudden that after this is over, they're going to say, right, well, it, it was a joke. It wasn't important to me at all. <laughs> or, or that they, yeah. I, I think they're going to they're gonna mine more into that and they're going to look more into that and see kind of how can I leverage more on that and provide that to my students, whether it's them individually or kind of as a top down. I think you're going to see more of that. That's my, that's my guess. Yeah. Do you anticipate potentially governments, but also private educational institutions, maybe investing more in online learning? Not, I mean, not just as a backup, but as a more permanent feature of the education that they offer. Yeah, well, I mean... I've read an article about in Hong Kong that lots of these private schools, they, they, they suffered enormously. And it is even the question whether they will ever reopen. Uh, and and, and in, in Hong Kong, in China, I think also in the Middle East, you have lots of subsidiaries of, for instance, British schools, right? You have Harrow, um, you have lots of renowned names there. And I think they're going to, you know, either them as, as a chain of schools or, or independent private schools, they're going to think, how can we create and how, we, how can we sustain with our private organization in an online manner? I think definitely that's what they're going to look at because yeah. you know <clears throat> what has happened now is, has has done serious damage on these on these organizations, and they're they're going to have to revisit that in its entirety. So I think definitely online is going to be um, a, a bigger component if, if if they will even reopen. I can I think some of them will 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 say okay we're not going to open this subsidiary anymore or we're, you know, we're going to find something else for that. But I was, I mean, it, it, it was very kind of, because I visited many of those private schools in Hong Kong and to hear of them like, well, it's even, we're not even sure whether this school will reopen because mm. maybe many expats, expats will also go back because, because many, many of them attending are children of expats or, or whatever more. And you have this entire kind of outflow of people. You might not have immediately a new influx of people. Um, and then there's the fear of what if this were to happen again? So yeah, I definitely think they will revisit using lots of you know technology tools and online tools for it, even if it's on a part-time basis. I think it's gonna it will be brought into the mix shortly. Again, again, what you know, at least what what I've been picking up anecdotally is that schools and of course the, the students that that have been using technology as part of their everyday you know lessons have I don't want to say seamlessly, but but close to seamlessly transition to this new, to, to sort of the online learning models much better than those that are in a sense trying to improvise. And so I, I wonder if, again, if it, if it really makes sense for schools to think about how, how you integrate online learning into, into your normal operation, shall we say, rather than just think about it as a backup. Yeah. Because you know, even as a backup, it works much better if you've already integrated elements of it and everyone is familiar with how everything works and you're not, in a sense, scrambling to 
you know, to activate a system that you hoped you would never have to use. Correct, correct. And that, and that brings for me, because we're uh, being focused on teacher training, not only in Albania, because now that's the focus, but of course we do it globally. You yeah. see that there's, that there's a little bit of a gap in between the technology builders who, of course, are on the, on the cutting edge of technology and saying, you know, mm-hmm. here's what's going to be working in, you know, almost 20 years in education versus the day-to-day life of a teacher who just wants to get through the old textbook knowledge and convey that to their students, right? So so that's the priority of the teacher. And in many, many times we saw an enormous gap, but, you know, of of a teacher says, well, it's nice and lovely and I I like to look at it, but it's not part of my daily reality. It's, you know, it's something that, that I think is interesting, that is nice to know, like watching an interesting documentary on Netflix or so, mm-hmm. but, but, but it's not necessarily something that I immediately need right now. I, and I yeah. think that's going to be a question that they're going to ask themselves once this is over. It's like, listen, I need technology and I need to put it in place because if I don't, then I, I'm not going to be able to continue my lessons. So technology is going to come closer to, to the teacher. But, but it was always surprising to me how far how far off these two were often, not only in, in um, emerging markets, also, also in the UK or in the United States. It's like we can talk artificial intelligence and robotics and, and, and blockchain all we want. At the end of the day, a teacher goes like, well, you know, I just need to finish my, you know, mathematics for this term. And, you know, yeah. I have yeah. nothing to do with all these things you're talking about. And I think that's going to, you, you're going to see that to be more intertwined. Um, so in a sense, teachers are going are gonna to need to become more, more tech-savvy and aware of what are, what are some of the uh, opportunities opening up because of digital technology. Yes. And, I, and I'm not saying that robotics will be very valid for them tomorrow or you kind of, sure. you know, any other of these, these far-out tools. I do think that uh, ask serious questions about alternatives so you can continue your lessons and that yeah. if because i i you know when when you look on social media you see that um that little um post of 2020s cancelled yeah. lots of academic years lots of school years are cancelled right yeah and yeah it's beginning to feel that way yeah, yeah so you 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 is it going is everything going to be reopened in september are things going back to normal I think it's going to be combination, again, a new normal whereby there's going to be online teaching and learning and there's going to be learning into the school and classroom very carefully. I think that's what September is going to look like. And I think anything before September, we shouldn't really be counting on that in terms of a normal academic year in a way that's, you know, of course, it's it's very disruptive, but it's the only way so so we can assure ourselves that we can we can uh, flatten the curve. Right. So we can can make, you know, to stay safe for everyone. So it's our public health at stake. So, you know, it's a serious thing that at this moment we should say, okay, we're willing to sacrifice our academic year, our economy, kind of so many things just to flatten that curve and to make sure that that we stay alive eh? or many of us stay alive and stay healthy. What's next now for Teach Pitch? Obviously, you you have this crisis opportunity that that you're dealing with. What's what's next? What do you see? as the next phase of development for Teach Pitch? Yeah, I think the next phase of development is, is all about that gap that I said before, which is not a new gap by any means. I'm sure you've heard mm-hmm. of it, a digital gap, you know, a rapidly evolving digital economy. And I, and I think this is, this is a hit, kind of an acceleration 
of yeah. how we use digital and how we look at digital. And I think we are going to play a bigger role in that when it comes to education and informing and training teachers. So, so I see ourselves to do more of that, either as a technology builder or a trainer. I think that should be the way to go. We would love to be part of that and we would love to work with more organizations who have that need to, to, to make sure that that gap isn't as big as it is now. And, and, in, and in that sense, I don't think, of course, there's a spike right now of kind of 8,000 teachers in three weeks or kind of, you know, uh, ridiculous numbers. But I do think that will, there will be a continued need for that also when this is over, yeah. as there has been a need already before, right? So it's, yeah. not, it's, not, it's not that it wasn't there. It's just going to be a little bit more urgent. Yes, and pe- people are going to be aware. Yes. Of, of, or, or perhaps the, uh, the people who make these determinations are going to be aware that there's actually a need for this kind of yeah. training. If I, if I could counter that question, Stavros, what, what do you mm-hmm. think is going to be the role of a platform like WISE? Do you think is that, is that going to change uh, with, with the pandemic? Uh, well, I, I, I can tell you that what, what we're thinking about now, which is one, I think obviously our, our core mission of enabling and facilitating innovation in education and, and sharing information and, and advocating for innovation in education, I think that's also acquired a new, a new impetus because of, of, of what's happening, meaning that, you know, we, we can see now when you have this massive emergency response where, you know, entire education systems are having to shift to uh, distance learning models. Um, I think it's important for us to, to take stock and understand what, you know, what worked and what didn't, and then, and then think very carefully about what the long-term implications of this are and how, you know, how do we build education systems that are, you know, to, to borrow a term that Nicholas Taleb coined, how do we make them anti-fragile, you know, and, and more resilient and, uh, and robust? So, you know, from, from a wise perspective, I see, I see our role be, being even more relevant and, and important at this point in time. In terms of practically, you know, what this means for us, I mean, we are, you know, we're facing some of the same challenges. A lot of what we do has in the past relied on, on being able to have face-to-face interactions. Well, assume that in the immediate term that isn't possible, then how do we leverage online technologies to make sure that our, you know, programs like the Accelerator, for example, you know, continue to run and have, and have impact, even though we can't all get together for you know, for boot camps, um, how do we convene a wise at digitally? Uh, and we're looking, you know, we're looking carefully at, you know, what, what possibilities are, you know, opened up for by new technologies, not just to replace what we had in the past, but potentially to enhance it and, and even make it more, more impactful. You know, at least that's, that's the way we're, we're approaching this. And, um, you know, on, on the one hand, you know, uh, unfortunate that it, you know, it always takes a crisis to get people to take something like, you know, innovation in education more seriously. But perhaps, you know, this is a, a small silver lining that can, that can come out of this uh, difficult situation that the, the world is in right now, that we, you know, we really think about how we can leverage incredibly powerful tools to make, you know, education more accessible, more effective, 
and and even you know more more equitable. No, and I I mean that's that's a great role that Wise should play and and has already played. Is kind of where are they right? What are what are the best cases here? What are you know what's what's in place? What is working? Because I think we can do a lot. We can learn a lot more from each other as edtech builders, right? So so yeah. you know because there's so much out there and so much things that have already been. Yeah, that have already been tried yeah. and tested. And just by listening to each other, you could say, okay, well, okay, that one hasn't worked. What about this one? Or what about that one? And, mm-hmm. you know, how, you know, to, to, to pivot or add or, you know, bring bring things maybe closer together, do partnerships or whatever more. I think that's a very important one because at the end of the day, I think we all have the interest to help, to, you know, to, to make sure that things grow and that, that people are... Um, are genuinely genuinely advancing because of what it is that you're doing. That's that's certainly the the hope and the aspiration. Aldo, thank you very much for uh, for your time for taking part in in this uh, podcast. Before we we sign off, what's the best way for people to uh, get in touch with you, find out how what you're doing? And sure, yeah, I mean we we have our website teachpitch.com. We are also on all kind of uh, the usual suspects of social. Media, Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, you name it, we're there. And if you want a direct answer, uh, send us an email. Uh, send me an email, aldo at teachpitch.com, and I'll try to get back to you uh, as soon as I can. I think those are the best ways. Great. Well, Aldo, thank you. Thank you for, the, for your wise words and uh, stay well. Thank you so much. And same to you, Stavros. Thank you so much for having me. And there you have it. Many thanks to Aldo de Pape and Teach Pitch for making this possible. If you liked this episode, don't forget to let us know by reaching out to us on our social media channels. You can find all the links for that in the description. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. Looking forward to having you here next time.